AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You are um, listening to Waiting on Reparations, a production right, of iHeartRadio. The story Radio. is the story of how I came to have eggs. R.I.P. Uh, uh, picture this, October 2015. It's an understatement to say that I'm drowning in a sea of work at the university curve. So I'm taking personally, my ex got a new girl, but he still pounced on the sneak. Because that coochie is juicy as a quarter pounder with cheese. Otherwise, I'm pretty worthless. Did I mention that my house is full of fleas from a tabby cat who naps in the kitchen cabinets? He's not dead. So dreams of catching mouses while he sleeps up in the cobwebs that form. Because even though I got bread and bought bread, ever since I lost the willpower to eat, willpower to clean, willpower to pay the power, pay the dentist in the hospital, pay the internet, the one to build that at the offices, pay for kitten chows, and now this little nigga hostage like he sent us to what Cosby did. But it's not no fault of his, I just adopted him because I needed a friend, needed somebody to be with, just needed body heat in the bed. Hey yo, shouts out to eggs. <laughs> for real, yo, rest in peace, eggs. This for you, little homie. Yo, now in the meanwhile, situation seemed foul. Missed my homie egg, so I had to bust his freestyle. Snuck into my room, trying to tell me that he needs chow. Told him I was sleeping, but he hit me with a meow. Lord, why you take him? It was long before his time. And some girls let me fuck because they thought that he was mine. It had everybody crying, even me and I ain't lying. It was Thanksgiving Day, how am I gonna tell Mariah? But death is universal, it's what we are all facing. Sometimes I believe in reincarnation. Right now, eggs is one of the lost souls. So till then, homie, I see you at the crossroads and i'm gonna miss everybody and i'm gonna miss everybody hey i'm dope knife i'm lingua franca and we are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations still waiting no biden check yet so it is one o'clock on a monday night is it oh shit and if this were a regular dj gig 
I think now is when I would like press the button to cue. Celebrate good times. Come on. It's a celebration. Why are we celebrating tonight? We're celebrating because tonight we elected Georgia's first Latina district attorney to the Western Judicial Circuit. Deborah Gonzalez. Deborah Gonzalez. And when I say we, I mean like encouraging people to vote, da da da. But we've literally been out there like knocking on doors. Our team knocked on. About 1,500 doors in the last week and a half. And how much did she win by? She won by 800 votes. Yo. So. Killing it. <laughs> Killing it. Like, for real, I'm, I'm super stoked about this. This is the first... This is the first winning campaign I think I've ever been involved in in my entire life. Yeah. The student body joint that I did when I was, like, in seventh grade, niggas lost that shit. Yeah. Then the first time I was ever really, like, Polit- when I first like started coming into my political awareness, nigga was out there for Carrie. That nigga lost. <laughs> then like after like 15 years of malaise, you talk me back into it. Like, yo, we got to get out here for Bernie. I'm like, word. We go out there, the hot Car- South Carolina sun, that nigga lost. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Deborah Gonzalez did it and pulled Deborah that Gonzalez shit out of the cut. Not only did she win the election, the election happened because Deborah Gonzalez... Uh, sued Brian Kemp, who tried to cancel the election and appoint someone to the seat. The case went all the way to the Georgia Supreme Court, and she won, which is why the election happened at all. She actually had the balls to sue him <laughs> and go through like, with the yeah, shit. She, she's fucking just, she's great. She's but crazy. It, she's it, crazy, bitch. I love her. It really is. It's some good news, though, because, like, I mean, this has been, I mean, this has been the last week and a half or two weeks of, like, my life. And, I mean, you've been, like, more involved in it than that, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, deborah has been running for like two years, you know, like I've been, you know, hanging out with her and supporting her work for a long time. But it's been really like a lot recently. Yeah. So what, like, do, what do you what do the people have to look forward to with Deborah Gonzalez I mean, as their new district attorney, yeah, the I people mean, of uh, Athens? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, abolishing cash bail for nonviolent offenses and like other forms of low level crime um, using greater like caution in cases of like. Um, she's like committed to ending the school to prison pipeline and ending our like racial disparities in like juvenile sentencing, um, which all comes down to a DA's discretion deciding what charges are brought against people. And if people are brought up for bullshit charges, she can fuck call it bullshit and mm-hmm. just throw it out. And so, uh, something to do with like weed. Um, she's interested in bringing like restorative justice practices into like our criminal legal framework so that if you have something bad happen to you or you did something bad you actually have some resources for like learning how to be different in the future rather than just being locked in the cage so anyway so all of this really she's supposed to do some really dope shit so so then you would say that right now the jubilation isn't simply because the democrat won but because an actual progressive one because a progressive one yeah and we suffered a couple of losses in our in our state house races during the general election. And so, like, there's this frustration with gerrymandering and this feeling like our votes don't really count. And so for us to actually come together and elect someone that is, like, present in our communities and, like, straight up badass, like, fearless leader person. So we actually did it. You know, our power in numbers is great. Well, that's step one because... Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow we start working on tomorrow the Senate campaign. Tomorrow we start campaign. working on the Senate campaign. Yeah, um, which I want to I want to clarify with all that is that I don't really necessarily like particularly John Ossoff, um, Raphael Warnock, mostly for the things that conservatives have like tweeted about him mm-hmm. uh, for, that he has said previously has actually made him me like him more. <laughs> like this hope that maybe like underneath he's a socialist or something like that. 
Um, like we're like this is helping. This whole thing was helping. The whole thing with Warnock is reminding me of um, the Reverend Wright situation back when Obama was running. You might do you remember that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it reminds me kind of. I mean, as far as like the Republican strategy of it, like finding a snippet that you can. I, shit, I was on YouTube today, and like I must have seen that ad like fifteen times today of Warnock saying something about the. I love it. Every time I see it, I want to <laughs> vote for him more and more. And so, with that said, given the awareness that like their teams would both spend all of the five hundred million dollars that they're going to generate in these elections um, on advertising and consultants instead of investing in working people from the communities they're trying to flip blue. Knowing that, as well as the fact that they're going to be sending in field organizers that don't know these areas, so like haven't run campaigns here before, um, myself and my two fellow commissioners, Tim and Russell, put together this thing called the Athens Progressive Canvassing Corps where we're raising money to pay people, just fucking pay people to go talk to people about the election. Instead of sending the stupid fucking mailers or paying for you get the text on your phone or somebody calls you and it's annoying, go knock on somebody's door. And like people who are out of work right now and it's the holidays, like give people stuff to do so that they have money because nobody, everybody's broke right now. Um, so in, the, along, in that process, like learn about how campaigns work. Like this is a fundamental feature of like electoral organizing and organizing generally. Um, and so it's just like trying to channel like the energy of this moment in the most productive direction, knowing that all this money, all the people are going to be trying to find somewhere to donate and like uh, the campaigns are going to try to and fail to figure out what's going on. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, just <laughs> give, everybody, just let us do this. We know how We're to do already this. Here. We're already here. <laughs> We've been here. We've all won campaigns in this area. Yeah. All of us are elected and we know the people. You know, the neighborhoods and just fucking pay people that are just need money. Because they're going to fuck around and come in here and try to be on some like Godfather. Let us take over the shit. We, yeah, no. we got this. Like, y'all don't no. know what the fuck y'all are just doing. No. Like, Shut up. Just be quiet. We're going to help you. Okay. Well, unfortunately, y'all, we can't. We can't just be all celebration and smiles tonight because the, the week was unfortunately not without. Oh yeah, I'm in a deep depression. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both we're both very, definitely in funk, but Mariah is definitely deep, feeling it harder than me. Very the, deep depression. Some of y'all may may be aware just if you listen to the every episode on some shit, then you might be aware that we have a house cat. You know, we record in our living room, and we have a house cat, our beloved Eggs, um, who's from time to time jumping around on us and he gets mentioned and shouted out when we're when we're recording and things but unfortunately on Thanksgiving uh, eggs passed away sadly yeah and we have been in the throes of grief <laughs> while, devastated. while also working uh, on the campaign and everything yeah. Um, yeah it really holding sucks. up there all right buddy yeah <laughs> I'm okay well it's really helpful actually in fact how we came to the topic of today is that I've been just trying to cope <laughs> go on long walks you know listen to ocean sounds yeah and uh eat edibles <laughs> well we had a fat we had a friend of the show friend of the show our good friend Caroline she uh she sent us some edible arrangements let's say and uh <laughs> 
You know, it just it just all the the package got here just coincidentally while we were all kind of in a dark funk in the house about eggs. So I feel liberated. You've been feeling a little bit better. Yeah, a little bit better. I feel like I'm healing. <laughs> and so, I mean, so that brings us to the topic of today, which is um, we're going to be talking about pot. We're talking about bud, herb, Mary Jane, Kush. What what is it? Gas, the loud. <laughs> so it's been almost a month after the 2020 presidential election, and Trump and the maggots are still on some fuck shit. But without a doubt, the clear cut winner of the election on all levels was, was weed. weed. It was cleared in several states, and it got us thinking about, you know, decriminalization, legalization, the difference between the two. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about America's history with marijuana and how racism has played a role in its legal status, as well as go into the roots between hip-hop and its sacred bond with sweet, sweet Chiba. Now, full, full disclosure, I am a pot smoker, but you know... Like, dare to be different or some shit. <laughs> so, I mean, first first things first. It's like, while, you know, we were putting this together tonight, I was personally... I don't want to say sketched out isn't the right word, but, like, I was wondering, like, are you cool with talking about... You know, I'm just a rapper dude. So, yeah. like... Every, and my name is Dope, so everybody can assume that I be smoking mad weed and doing edibles and all that shit. Yeah. How do you feel as an elected official? Like, is yeah. this cool for us to talk about? Yeah, you? I mean, I feel that uh, in many ways I engage in civic life. I see that morality often up, outstrips legality. From, you know, the caravans in the summer when we were, like, blocking traffic and, like, engaging in civil disobedience. Um, like, I feel like anyone that would... Uh, look down on that activity in 2020 and 2021 with regards to like a plant that is now legal in 15 states mm-hmm. and legal for uh, a third of the US population um, no like I'm not like I'm just not I'm not living in the past like <laughs> I'm not living in the past and I feel like and I feel like a part, important part of my politics is also like instantiating the world that you think we should live in as a way of paving a path toward that world. Like to like to like make to make like the the vision of what things should be like a lot like more tangible for others and seeing that um, like is something we ought to demand. And so kind of being a little unapologetic in that with like regards to various forms of civil disobedience, I guess I mean I find uh Smoking weed. I don't. I don't smoke weed, but I do eat weed um, <laughs> as a form of civil disobedience. Like it's bullshit. <laughs> this is fucking. This is uh, illegal I mean, stuff. I'll, I feel the same way about that as I do. Like just the consistency that I have on like the abortion issue, where it's like I'm only trying to have this moral argument or engage with somebody about the the moral compass of weed use if you're straight edge. <laughs> you yeah. know, like straight up, like. You have to be like, I don't do shit in order to like come at me for me to even entertain it or else I just, I don't, you know I mean? I'm not going to have somebody talk to me about like how bad it is to 
smoke weed when you drink beer every day. You know what I'm saying? Or you're getting drunk at the. I just don't. I'm not there for it. So nah, fuck that. Absolutely. It's funny. Like um, my mom recently figured out that I smoke. My mom drinks wine, and Cheers. huh? Cheers. Yes, yes. Yeah. She's, she's, as a matter I'm of fact, she drinks, wine the, right she drinks now. the same sweet shit that you do. Oh, the hangovers are terrible, but I love it. But um, yeah, now recently, I think it was last Christmas when I went home, you know, she kind of put it together that I kept going into my brother's garage and shit. Oh, and, the brother's garage. But I mean, garage. she understood at this point now, you know, like, I'm a grown-ass man, so it's like, it was, uh, it was a lot more... Uh, understanding of a conversation than I thought it would be than it would have been if it was like when I was in high school or some shit like that. So Arizona, Montana, New Jersey, and South Dakota all cleared cannabis for adult use, bringing the total number of states that have approved it for that purpose to 15 with the general election just about a month ago. Now, John Hudick, a cannabis policy expert and deputy director at the Brookings Institution, said they passed overwhelmingly. These were not close races. It was a resounding win for cannabis. And I just want to pause here and say that, like, the fact that this, among many progressive ballot measures, like, passed more, with more popularity than, like, either presidential candidate in some places really speaks to just, like, how fucked up it is that the people that are running this country just can't, just can't I mean, get behind it. I think it's a It's test- like the will of the people just literally is being ignored and is excruciating. I think it's a rebuke of the notion that the country is like center right leaning. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, I really Depends think. Depends on what you determine is the country. The people are not. Yeah, the people, exactly. Yeah, exactly. the people are not. The people are not, my friend. So um, industry members and analysts say New Jersey likely will trigger a domino effect legalization measures within the Northeast and most notably this could like trickle down to New York and Pennsylvania. Hell yeah. Tiffany Devitt, the chief of government and consumer affairs at Canacraft, which is headquartered in California's Sonoma County and makes about 200 cannabis products. She told Business Insider about potential parallels to this and the end of alcohol prohibition and a desire during the Great Depression to spur economic growth. She said you can see a similar trajectory playing out with cannabis, whereby our economic issues that we're facing as a country is waking people up to the fact that cannabis industry can, in fact, be a benefit in the community. The Biden, the Biden, <laughs> the Biden, the Biden campaign did talk a little game about decriminalizing. Um, Biden himself has refused to join the majority of U.S. voters in endorsing broad cannabis legalization. We'll see how that plays out as the administration goes on. But um, Andrew Yang was talking. He was saying he was he was saying this about Biden. He was less aggressive than, say, I or some of the other candidates. But even Joe has been making signals about decriminalizing and not prosecuting various marijuana related statutes and restrictions. Two leading cannabis companies reported better than expected results in the aftermath of Biden winning. Canopy growth surged 10 percent and Aurora Cannabis jumped 20 percent after both reported higher than forecast sales and narrowing losses. So the stock market is taking notice of it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it just what seems like the stock market. This, no, I mean, I'm just talking about what the, is you, it? Know, you have to at this. You kind of have to make at least for a sizable amount of the population. You have to make the economic, you know, what I'm saying uh, point of it. And that's the thing that gets me for the for the fiscal fiscal conservative types. It's like there's so much money. Like, there's so much money in taxing weed. You know what? We've been framing it all wrong. We need to push. We need to push for weed legalization. 
Because then we can argue that we don't have to defund the police because we have enough money to fund mental health care mm. and like youth job skills programs That's- and community gardens. And fund the cops. And then we'll lie to them and actually defund the police. But we can at least be like, look, if we just make weed legal, we can all have everything we want. Yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good ass point. Like you everything honestly we want. you could the cops could keep all the money they need and yeah, you could just like use the revenue from <laughs> generated. Because I feel weed like stuff. I feel like a lot of like the calculus around police funding is driven by the finiteness of city gov- of city budgets. It's not like the federal government where they could just print money. I think we're going to have to extend it and go into that <laughs> just a little bit more. I might have to. Um, well, I mean, like with all things, you know, when when you sit down and you wonder, yo, this particular thing doesn't make sense. Why is it that it still occurs if it doesn't make sense? And the chances are, you know, racism is probably going to be at the root of it. And that's, you know, let's just... Just call it what it is. Call a spade a spade. There's a lot of racism, if not mostly racism, behind a lot of how marijuana is legalized and adjudicated in this country. So we're going to get into a little bit of the racist history of marijuana. Now, as early as the 1800s, there were no federal restrictions on the sale or possession of cannabis in the U.S. Hemp fiber from the plant was used to make clothes, paper, rope. Sometimes it was used medicinally. But as a recreational drug, it wasn't that widespread. In the early 1900s, an influx of Mexican immigrants came to the U.S. fleeing political unrest in their home country. And with them, they brought the practice of smoking cannabis recreationally. And, unsurprisingly, it took off. The Spanish word for the plant started to be used more often, too. Marijuana. Or, as it was spelled at the time, marijuana with an H. In 1936, a propaganda film called Reefer Reefer Madness Madness. was released. Did you ever see Reefer Madness? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, Are you kidding? The movie depicted teenagers smoking weed for the first time and, and, you know, had some, at the time, embellishments of what the effects of marijuana were. Oh, boy. Involving hallucinations, attempted rape, murder. The media portrayed it as a gateway drug. This is uh, per the Business Insider. In 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act was passed. Cannabis sales were now taxed due to the fear-mongering at the time. The main instigator um, behind the Marijuana Tax Act was commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics during the Prohibition era. His name was uh, Harry Anslinger. Anslinger took the route of junk science, stating marijuana as a violence-inducing drug and connecting it to black and Hispanic people, emphasizing that the Spanish word marijuana, you know, was Spanish instead of the word cannabis. Uh, he created a strong association between the drug and the new Mexican immigrants that helped popularize it in the States. He also started the narrative that we'd made black people forget their place in the hierarchy of society. I like that it makes me forget my place. <laughs> I'm like, I feel a little this uplifted. This all sounds I'm like, like an oh, I forget that I'm just at the bottom of the totem pole of fucking Jeff Bezos. And He insisted that the... Uh jazz was evil music that was created by people under the influence I like that of marijuana. It's evil. Which well, is that's what I enjoy also, about jazz. That's, that's false, because everybody knows, you know, heroin addicts were doing jazz. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's terrible. All right. It's not too soon. It's time. No, it's time for that. Yeah, it's been long enough. <laughs> so by 1952, the Boggs Act made sentencing for drug convictions mandatory. First offenses of possession could land you two to five years in jail, prison, and a fine of up to $2,000, which shit, 1952. That was something. But it's funny, right? Because it's like, 
we're trying to get back to the taxed, decriminalized, you know, way, which was that even that in itself was instituted because of some racist prick. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, here we are damn near 100 years later. It's like, yo, can we just decriminalize the shit at least? Like, can we at least get back to 1936, (laughs) you know, and just tax the shit? (sighs) The Controlled Substances Act of 1970 passed under President Nixon, repealed the Marijuana Tax Act, and said make cannabis a Schedule One drug. The most serious class. Great job, Nixon. (laughs) (laughs) Schedule One drugs are considered to have high potential for abuse and addiction and are not allowed for medical use. I feel like it's almost cliche for us to go off about the stupidity of that. Right? It's like, you know, we all seen Half-Baked. Right? Marijuana is not like that. I you ever seen somebody suck them just it remains a schedule one to this day. In twenty twenty it, it remains. Doesn't it doesn't make your blood boil. <laughs> I mean it does. It's like I mean this it is all stuff that I've known. Boil just a little bit. This is, these, uh, are, these are all the sort of like stoner bro facts that I've known since high school, but it's like even even just reading it out loud, it makes me upset. Makes, it makes yeah, me angry. I'm punch you know myself in the head. Why this attitude? towards marijuana is not like that like it's just like beer or any other you know what i'm saying like recreational drug like that i just yeah i mean i've been in fights when i was drinking mm-hmm. ne- i would never do that if i was ever stoned shit you might not get a nigga out the house if i get stoned yeah well, <laughs> just you know the terrible things that people do how many people die Car accidents. accidents. You know, you ever like you just you you ever notice that like if you're hanging out, and maybe this is something I noticed because I I do go through the I've have been in the situation of being around somebody their first time smoking several times in my life, right? I've noticed that if a motherfucker like gets too high, like somebody who doesn't smoke like that, if they get too high, they'll be like, oh man. Yo, do I need to leave right now, or can I like chill and like not get high, so you know I can drive? You can be like, oh yeah, man, just chill, like you know, like let it let it look out before you get in the car. But if a motherfucker's drunk, they're always, I'm good, bro. I'm going. I'm good. I got I'm it. Going. I'm going. I got this. Where my keys? Where my keys? Immediately runs over your dog. Every fucking time. So during the Democratic primaries, Elizabeth Warren, among you know, obviously Bernie Sanders and others, she actually had a plan for full legalization. Some points from her website's plan stated... Working with Congress to legalize marijuana as quickly as possible. Or use the president's executive authority if Congress refuses to take action supported by the majority of the American people. Sponge past marijuana convictions. And there's a lot more. There's a lot more to it. We're not gonna we're not gonna read her whole plan, but it's it's really long. I like that in the script you said and more lol. I was <laughs> like, what's like some like funny secret? You know what? If it, if it <laughs> like was Elizabeth Warren's if fucking we were, Levi Warren is like, tee-hee, if, we were, if we were still in like primary <laughs> season, if this was like February of like 2020, <laughs> then I would I'd be like, hey, you know what? Let's take some time in the show to <laughs> nah. to give Elizabeth Warren's whole marijuana legalization plan, but. That nigga lost too. We don't got to read all that shit. 
<laughs> oh my god. So even with the possibilities of legalization on the horizon, America's racist past and present is causing familiar roadblocks. In past episodes, we've mentioned how black-owned businesses often struggle with access to capital. And in the field of legalized weed, the lack of access to capital has many African-American entrepreneurs concerned that systemic and economic racism is definitely going to exclude them from the burgeoning marijuana business. One of the things that we definitely learned since the establishment of equity is that a license doesn't go as far as it need be. Said Jacob Plowden, co-founder and deputy director of the Cannabis Cultural Association, a New York-based nonprofit that helps marginalized and underrepresented communities compete in the legal cannabis industry, per NBC News. The numbers are disturbing. Less than a fifth of the people involved at the ownership or stakeholder level are people of color. A 2017 survey found this. Uh, black people made up only 4.3%. New Jersey has proposed a bill mandating that 25% of all legal licenses be set aside for people of color. Black legislators in New York emphatically said that they will not vote for any legislation that doesn't redirect some profits from legalization to communities of color. And in Massachusetts, there's an added social equity program um, to their legalization efforts. Still, the number of African-Americans involved in the legal marijuana trade remains low. Uh, we reached out to a bud tender at a dispensary in Colorado, Lance Nixon, and he told us about some of his experiences, you know, being black in the legal marijuana field. Lance also used to, you know, hustle in the black market before he, in Georgia, before he moved to Colorado to get into the legal side of it. And we picked his brains on just some of his experiences in that game. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Shit, every day, <laughs> at every at every level too. Like, uh, it's a kind of good old boy system. Like, that's how you get the high up positions. That damn, uh, not necessarily about who working the hardest. It's all about who you know and all. And uh, and damn, uh, so like, I worked for this one cat. Um, he was the head. His friends hooked him up, and it's, I mean, I guess this is a microcosm for all of America, but it don't matter what industry you're in, really. So right now, uh, the position I got, I'm a, I'm a bartender at, uh, oh, I ain't gonna say their name, but I'm a bartender <laughs> for you. I got an apartment for you. I got a car for you. And uh, that's how he became the head grower at that place, not because he knew what the hell he was doing. When people come into the place, I talk to them about the products, and if they don't know or if they do know exactly what they're looking for, I try to get them as close as to what we have there. And it's like the seventh uh, dispensary I done worked at on the retail side. Before that, I had a lot of bunch of like grow and harvesting and behind the scenes type of job, uh, in the grow jobs. I worked at over 40 places because the first job, I got was at this like cannabis like um, um, temp agency, so they had seen you somewhere different every two or three days. So I learned a lot, but they also pay very little in yeah. this in this industry because everybody want to do it. So like you're highly replaceable at all levels, and they just like, if you don't want to do it, if you don't want to do it, they'll find somebody that'll do it for cheaper. Uh, the bad part about the black market is, you know, of course, you can get killed. You can go to prison. That shit happened to me. Damn, uh, that's the bad part. But as far as, like, the risk you take for the amount of money you make, man, I I go through hustlers withdrawal. I miss that shit. <laughs> I, I just don't want to fucking uh, go back to prison. So I'm trying to do the right thing here doing this shit legally. But, damn, it's, it's the right before the poorhouse is where... Uh, where you at trying to do the same thing legally? It's all the, it's very little trickle down from the owners, from the owners to the people who run this shit for them. I've heard rumors of equity programs about for programs for people to benefit people who are negatively affected by the uh, war on drugs, and like only those people get particular t- uh, licenses to be in this industry, like the people who uh, were negatively affected. Like I've heard rumors and shit like that, but I don't know no I don't know nobody who's ever benefited from it. And I've heard about it in Oakland, and then I heard about some um, politicians with one of the black uh, dispensary owners here signing some um, in, some into law very recently here in Denver about an equity program. But uh, I have seen literally none of, none of that. None. 
And uh, the only place I know where it's a really a real thing is in Oakland. There's an equity program. And I heard about the dude, uh, the black dude, Al Harrison on Viola, trying to do that shit where he was going to try to do the same things, like make for a certain amount of black millionaires in the cannabis industry, like help people who need help but want to do this but can't afford to. And um, But I, I don't know how to join that program. I don't know what that application is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I ain't saying it ain't real, but it sounds good. In 1992, Dr. Dre released his classic album, The Chronic, introducing the world to, among other things, shameless, habitual, recreational use of weed within hip-hop culture. Now, years before, in particular in 1989, the summer that saw a slew of world-changing, cultural-defining rap albums, uh, this was when you had Run DMC's Tougher Than Leather, EPMD Strictly Business. Public enemies, it takes a nation of millions to hold us back. Eric B and Rakim's Follow the Leader. Salt and Pepper's Assault with a Deadly Pepper. Two Live Crews Move Something. Ice-T's Power and both Easy es Easy Does It and NWA's Treat Out of Compton. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not only that's such an insane summer of music. That, that's like that's I mean, just such an insane summer of music. Just try to picture being like fourteen or thirteen in nineteen eighty nine. Oh my god! And like a hip hop fan back before everybody was into hip hop, and just going through that summer. Oh. And then as a movie nerd, I just got to add this into. Just imagine this. Tim Burton's Batman and Ghostbusters 2 came out that <laughs> summer too. And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like for real. I was, I was only, I think I might have been like three or some shit like that or four. So I didn't really get to experience like that. But get the fuck out of here, yo. That, <laughs> that is a crazy oh, summer. Oh, man. So not only did these albums, you know, not make reference to smoking weed, but with the crack epidemic ravaging the black community, like in real time, there was a defined anti-drug vein running through all of these albums. And the most talked about example of this is on NWA's album on the song Express Yourself for Dr. Dre, the man who three years later would incite hip-hop's bond with cannabis culture. Get this, he rapped the lyrics. Well, I don't smoke weed or sex Cause it's known to give a brother brain damage And brain damage on the mic don't manage nothing but It's theorized that, you know, this is all the national exhaustion with the just say no sloganeering and of the Reagan era and the whole puritanical music regulation stance of Tipper Gore and the PMRC. We talked about this in a previous episode, but they were the ones who brought you the parental advisory sticker. Um, you know, there's just... Like, people might have been burnt out <laughs> by a decade of that sort of shit. And in turn, that made just the whole 90s music and social scene a bit more freer and looser. And that's when uh, weed could truly take hold and gain a footing in rap. Uh, the Chronic gets credit because of its astronomical sales numbers. But it was a smaller and just as important album. 1991's Cypress Hell, self-titled. Um, it was the true, true game changer. So much so that it made the term blunted mainstream. The casual weed smoking in their records and the appeal of the rap stoner aesthetic almost overnight had other rappers openly talking about smoking. Um, Dr. Dre identified this wave and then ran with it. Totally made it his thing. And then, da-da-da-da-da! History, history was, was made. made. 
So now it's like <laughs> now And now almost, it's a fucking thing. Yeah, you almost can't really imagine like if you just like close your eyes and imagine a rapper, you're like probably imagining a bunch of weed smoke around them while they're rapping. Now um Q Point talked to Send Dog from Cypress Hill and he had this to say. I think marijuana slash weed was always part of the culture. It was just underground. Uh, we just wanted to make it cool again. And after the war on drugs that the Reagans had, when they classified marijuana as a class one drug, it made it really uncool and made parents really concerned about smoking weed. Which just kind of like tickles me slightly that he says after the war on drugs as if the war on drugs is like over now. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to understand, Send Dog is a 55-year-old Right, no, so. but like we're still like literally... I mean, so I'm just that- saying he's coming from like... He's coming from like 80s era enforcement of the war on drugs, which, you know, we all want the war on drugs to be over, period, but it's not quite the 80s. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. It, it, it definitely isn't. It definitely isn't. The, the cops, if you think the cops are out, I mean, the cops are out of control now, but holy shit, were they given the green light back then to just fucking act out, yeah. And there was no internet to capture any of that shit. But their funding has probably increased since true. then. That we is inc- true. We approve increases in the police budget year after year, and I imagine the same is true of, like, federal grants that we, fu- we that they apply for and are funded. I mean, like, literally, the war on drugs is still happening. Like, tonight at our commission meeting, I had to, like, fight my fellow commissioners about... This grant we approve year after year that, like, data we've recently uncovered has shown, like, this narcotics task force we get money from the federal government to, to, to do is arresting, like, 77% of the f- people being arrested are black people, even though black and white people use and sell drugs at similar rates. And then the most common type of arrest is for intent to sell marijuana, which if you, have, if you just have marijuana in certain quantities and, like, baggies, they can say you're intending to sell. You know, and so like it's not even that these people are like big time drug dealers necessarily. And it's just absurd because two thirds of the American public support legalization. 15 states have a third of the American public like live in legalized states. It's just really like it's we're still just going about the because this was almost going to this thing was almost going to pass without even any conversation because we're so used to just like funding the drug war, funding the drug war year after year. Uh, and so I guess just as an aside to our listeners in your, wherever you live in your local government, please pay attention to like the ways they fund the police year round, not just when they're doing their budget processes, because, uh, we give so much money to the police department to block people over smoking weed in a drug war that like has been explicitly like there is in writing that this was, uh, initiated to pretty much round up black people. But you can't you know, anyway. So here we are today. Still, um, I mean, we're. De- I definitely didn't mean to suggest that we're out of it at all. I just, no, I, just underst- I just understand. I just understand. I just understand where Send Dog is coming from. Yeah. Just in terms of as somebody who like has been seen both eras, you know what I mean? That yeah. you you could imagine, and then not only that, but it's like I don't know Send Dog's whole whole history like that, but it's like you know as being a fan of Cypress Hill, he's coming from actually being in that side of like being like actually, you know what I mean? Like actually having to deal with the police during that era and shit like that. So I'm just, I'm just saying, I understand why his perspective might be a little bit feeling that things have eased up more than they were. You know what I'm saying? Even if we don't particularly see that because we're not. Even then quantitatively, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so 
There's more to the acceptance and integration of marijuana and hip-hop than just products, slang, or even reform awareness. The seed sown in the 1990s introduced a concept and model that would later be monetized in rap. The fact that Cypress Hill had drawn so much attention to a mostly unknown cigar brand by calling it out by name so often in their lyrics, it revealed the power of hip-hop branding. Like Band-Aid, Philly's Blunts became a term for smoking weed in the cigar wrapper for years to follow, and Dre's repeated use of the term the chronic did the same for certain strains of weed. By the 1990s... Uh, can you, can oh, you just credit that the per high... Somebody. Oh, yeah, and this is all per high snobbity. Uh, by the mid-1990s, the percentage of rap songs with drug references increased from just four tracks in the early 1980s to 45% of all hip-hop per genius. <laughs> so just to give you, that's what type of influence Cypress Hill and, and Dr. Dre yeah. had on the shit. That it's like they straight up changed the content of hip hop yeah. <laughs> for the next 25 or 30 years. Yeah. Now. So who do you think are the rappers most tied to weed culture? If I just have to rattle off and say, okay, Snoop, definitely. Um, Wiz Khalifa. It's funny. I want. I was gonna say. Currency. I was gonna say on the new school. I was gonna say Wiz Khalifa, but then it's like, yo, Wiz Khalifa's been around like for ten. That years. nigga not new. <laughs> Sorry, babe. No. Um, currency. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Method Man and Red Man. Yeah. During their like duo run, they definitely oh, had yeah. like a weed yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. And then you know, give a shout out to the fucking Cottonmouth Kings. You know, Do they still um, make music. I don't know. I don't know. And I, d- I did hear one of them passed away recently. Oh, so shit. rest in peace to, yeah. to the homie. But um, yeah, Cottonmouth Kings. I, I remember when I first got in college and I started going to the white boy parties and stuff like that. That's when I started getting introduced to the Cottonmouth Kings. But if you don't know about them, they're a um, Orange County, California rap outfit. But um, yeah, they, they definitely paved the way for weed raps. That's for sure. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. But let's get into some weed rap songs to cap this off, shall we? So we got D'Angelo's Brown Sugar, which is this song about weed? Yes. Are you fucking serious? A lot this of people a lot of people don't know this, but brown sugar is a metaphor for marijuana. And I didn't know this until till years after this song was a There's hit. There's no check way. This out I don't bit. believe you. I met him in Philly and the name was Brown Sugar. See, we be making love constantly. That's why my eyes are a shade. Blood burning. Jingle bells on this shit. Uh. Listen to this beat, yo. Some people could qualify this as an R&B song, but fuck you. Nah, man. <laughs> I yo. love I love these sort of songs, yo. I mean, I'm a... The song is so good, <laughs> by the way. I'm such a sucker for so the double good, meaning by the way. shit. I love it. Oh, and so and I'm a fucking dude, bro. So it's like, oh, man, you mean... You're talking about a girl, but it's about something else. But it's about <laughs> fucking pot. I love it. Say less. Yeah, no, that's a classic one. What do we got next on the list? We got list? Cypress Hills. Speaking of a classic one, we got yes. hits from the bong. I don't think you can have a fucking weed episode on a podcast. Without Cypress Hills hits from the bong. Without Cypress Hills weed hits from the bong. Let's check it out. And this is a sample from, this is Dusty Springfield, isn't it? Son of a preacher man. Yeah. Yeah. Inhale, exhale, just got an ounce in the mail. Yo, yo. It's just, it's just so fucking He has such a unique cadence and tenor to his voice that I just can't get over. Like, that is irreplicable. That's not a word. Fuck. Uh, Like, it's, uh, what's the word? Irreplicable. In hip hop, like yeah. there's just nobody that sounds like him. You know, there's, it's it's like it's some real thing. Let me give a little bit of some uh, rapper insight. When you are listening to a rap song and it just sounds like it's coming out super easy, and it just sounds like the easiest thing in the world that the person is doing, it's because they're really, really connecting with what they're saying. Yeah, and I just noticed that when like there's certain things we talked about this in the the guns episode, but there's just certain things, certain topics when people rap about it that you just hear them get so at ease mm-hmm. with how they flow about the topic that it's like, yo, they really love that shit. And that's how I feel about be real and whenever be real rap specifically about weed. It's like his, to me, Be Real's weed flow and his other topics flow are different flows. <laughs> you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, straight up. Um, oh, shit. So up next we have Ludacris, Blueberry Yum Yum. Blueberry Yum Yum. Yeah. Fire, fire, got me so tired, I'ma stop, drop, and roll. Put a wet towel They did a video for this and Luda rubbed it in everybody's face, him being in Amsterdam, just smoking oh, mad, nice. mad yeah. dope. The beat has this like weirdly haunting video game vibe. Yeah. Feels final boss level. I wouldn't be surprised if that was sampled from a video game. Mm, yeah. 
I also appreciate the reverb on his voice at the end of those stanzas where it's sort of like it just replicates the body feeling of being very stoned yeah. in a certain way. Uh, here, the next song, we've got Far Sides, Pack the Pipe, which it definitely does do the same thing in the sense of like celebrating uh-huh. smoking weed, but it gets a bit more detailed into the nitty gritty of yeah, like yeah, yeah. Of weed and life. Let's hear it. Life. I'm lamping on my front porch about to put a torch to it. Then Coco said don't do it. Please don't hit that shit in front of my little boy. Production on this beat is just so disgusting. Yeah. The scratches in the background and that bass line. Mm. I love the analog sound of it. It's like almost like in a cry for help. I know. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. I like the abstract vibe of it. Yo. Yeah, it yeah. Just, Oh, the production, the sound quality is just like... Ah, it's like a whole fucking soundscape. This is the most beautiful music I've ever heard right now. But then again... So, like, the first verse, right? And this is what I love about, like, the hip-hop of the 90s and stuff like that. I could put that song on, this Far Side uh, Pack the Pipe song, and you could just have it on, and somebody whose ear isn't, like, in tune with deciphering rap lyrics and really, like, you know... They could just get down with the song and the beat and vibe to it. But the whole entire first verse is the guy rapping about not liking people mixing tobacco in the joints. <laughs> he's, yeah. like, he's like, if I wanted to, he's like, if I wanted to smoke tobacco, I'd go specific. get a skinny white bitch, a cigarette. Yeah. And he's like, so nah, keep that shit out of the blood. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we just want weed in the blood. But go, the, you know, go about saying it in a way that isn't necessarily complicated for the sake of being complicated, but not just spilling out, this is exactly what I mean. You know, fashioning it in a, in a way where it's musical, but if you pay attention, you 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 follow what he's saying. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that sort of shit. Oh, yeah. That's I feel my like favorite. you do that in your stuff a lot. I really appreciate rap where, like, if you, if like, on repeated listens, you uncover a tale. Yeah, it's like you're peeling or the Or uncover onion. messages that are just, like, obscured at first blush and just, uh it's what I really love about the new Aesop Rock album. Oh, word, yeah. And all of his albums. I'm a little obsessed. You know what? We're going to have to do a music review episode of all the dope shit we've been listening to. Because there have been a lot of dope oh, shit coming so out many, recently so that we haven't been shit. able to keep up with. New Graph album, so good. But we got some weed bars of our own. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up with Aight. some weed bars. Everybody, uh, follow us on Instagram at iHeartReparations. Um, follow Lingua Franca on all of the socials. Yeah. I am Dope Knife. Follow me on all the socials. I have. I was not joking or kidding at all last week when I was talking about the tons of music I've been making. Oh lately. my God. You guys are in for such a fucking treat. Yeah. I've been, I've been working hard there, people. There's going to be lots of Dope Knife rapidly raps to come. But um, let's close the shit out in some raps. You guys yes. take care of yourself. We love you all. Uh, you know, hit us, hit us up on, on all the stuff and, you know, ask us, feel free to ask us questions whenever you want. We're probably going to try to organize whenever we can find some time, organize a little live stream Q and A. Yes. When, when, when Mariah's in better spirits, we'll have a a little live stream Q and A and just engage with y'all a little bit more and stuff like that. And one more shout out to the unsung heroes of the show. Uh, Juan Cosby, Factor Chandelier and Blue Collar. Those three producer buddies of mine, along with myself, provide the beats that you guys hear us flowing to and talking to. So go check out their stuff. Awesome guys. Awesome music. But um, let's get into some rap shit. Let's do it. Joel, let's get a beat.
ways to slave labor wages Blazing it like Jamaicans It rages from disadvantageous to blatantly dangerous No money in savings, no savings to take a vacation No vacation, so we at one famous drinking Jameson Ooh. Debating where the days are went Why the days that went became so flavorless Chase the paper daily to feel chained to it Aspirations placed upon a waiting list Hoping these vape pens will elevate us to weightlessness Two, three, four, six, seven, eight hits uh. I'm baked as hell the way that helped my bacon atheist So I'm like, hey, Midge, I'm kind of hating this Feeling that primal autopilot, this idol ateness And she's a famous escapist, so she has fake tits And everybody turns to look while I make my escape quick, quick. Ha, 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 Yo, yo, yo I am clutch when I'm high as fuck Just show me where the goals are Line them up, find a Dutch I can even roll it with the finest touch But we trying to look at pretty paper Get high or what? I'm just chilling in my room Getting blazed mostly And I lick a mushroom like my name's Yoshi Puff fumes, baked toasty The hate stokes me Dope sandwich clan, that's my main broskies Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. We'll send me our waiting. Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. Hey, hey! I'm Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca. And we are waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations. See y'all next week. See y'all next week. Roll the blunt tight and let it burn slow. If a rapper ain't nice, then he better learn code. Word pro. Smoking and I ain't even faking. Smoking everything I got and I am barely Jamaican. You... <laughs> Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and every body. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.